Pastor Sly continued last week talking about your confidence and the confidence we have to know who we are, to know who God is. And we're going to just continue right off going to the next thing. Tonight, if you're taking notes, I've titled this, Pick Your Fights. Tell your neighbor, pick your fight. Tell, your tell the other neighbor, don't fight me. That wouldn't be a smart fight. I don't know if y'all had siblings that would pick fights with you that were not worth picking. My little brother, he's not so little, but my little brother um, was a wrestler in high school, middle school, high school, was a really good wrestler for his weight class. But what he did not take in consideration is that I am much heavier than he is. And so no matter how good of a wrestler he was, when he would wrestle me, I would destroy him. And all the older brothers said, Amen. Amen. And I don't know what his deal was, but he would always pick fights when my friends were over. I'm like, this is the, this is the only time that you should not be picking a fight. As soon as my friends leave, you can say whatever you want. We can wrestle and fight. But in front of my friends, and in front of my friends, I have people over. He's talking, running his mouth. We're up in my parents, up on, up on the second floor of our, of our house in the game room, messing around. It's a big room, so you, could, you got plenty of room to wrestle. He's just running his mouth, running his mouth. Some of my buddies start wrestling, and he's like telling my friends, I would work George if I wrestled him. And so I got so fed up with him running his mouth that I'm like, okay, Ben, you want to wrestle? We can wrestle right now in front of all my friends. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so he, he finally worked this up to that moment. He got me upset, and he's thinking, okay, now I'm going to show, show George's friends who, who their big brother is in the house. And so he jumps, he jumps on me. I flip this boy around, throw him on the ground, sit on him, put his neck into the ground. I'm like, you still want to wrestle with me? And it, was, it wasn't maybe that graphic. It was worse. <laughs> it was way worse. Um, that, was, that, that was the PG version. I put him down really quick. And, he, and when, when, I, when he gets pinned, especially by me, he just starts foaming out of the mouth. I wasn't safe, so I couldn't cast anything out. Um, you know, I, I would have been that, I would have been that stupid, stupid guy who, you know, the demon says, you know, I know Paul, I know Jesus, but who are you? And so um, I didn't want to be that dude. And so I just fought him, got off him. I'm like, hey, relax, bro, relax. I'm your big brother. Remember that. And if you got something like that, I want to tell you tonight, and we're going to talk about this story that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, to pick your fight. Tell your neighbor again, pick your fight. Not every fight that you have, you have to fight. Now, let me, let me just say this right away. Um, as I was thinking about this, I wanted to say this to someone. Some of you fight with your parents way too much. That's not a fight you fight. Some of you are like, you don't know my dad. I don't care about me not knowing your dad. You don't know my dad. And my dad was the hardest person not to fight with. My dad would... I felt like purposely say things to me just to get me aggravated, and I would throw scriptures at him, and he'd throw them at me, and we would have these religious debates. And I, I, I for, for many years after I got saved, and especially closer to when I got married and then got married, I, did, I could not have a normal conversation with my dad. Like, it was, it was literally every time that we would talk, we worked together. So we drive to work together. I'm in the, my, our office is at his house. I don't have an office in my house. If you've been to my house, you know this. 
Um, when you come into my house in the main area, this is the room for everything. This is our prayer room. This is our dining room. This is our family room. This is our fighting room. This, my kids, I mean, not my wife and I. This is, this is our wrestling room. This is our hangout room. Um, and my, my parents' house, we have, we have our office there. And so I'm, I see my dad all the time. I'm always with him. And I would always, 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 it, it, it was literally, if we could have one co- good conversation out of 10, that was a success. For the most part, 9 out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 conversations that we would have driving to work or in the office or on, or on a job site or in front of some people, it would always be arguing about something really, really stupid. And God began to teach me, God began to teach me, and simply the, this fight with my dad is not a fight that I need to fight. And the way, I, the way I won this fight is I kept my mouth shut. This is, this is that one time you can say to, in church to your neighbor, shut your mouth. When you're, when you're fighting with your parents, listen, I begin to overcome this. Some of you really enjoyed that, and I, we're going to be praying later. But uh, my, my dad, my dad really stopped running out of things to say the less I spoke. And I sat there, and eventually for, for I think, a, a, a few months at least, when I would sit there quiet, he'd be like, Stomachish, why are you quiet? Speak up. And I just, I just. Uh, he doesn't see my right hand. I'm like, gri- I'm ripping the foam out of the chair I'm sitting on. I'm just tearing it out. And he's like, speak up, speak up, speak up. And I'm just, my fingernails are bleeding. I'm, like, I'm just kidding, that's not bad. But it got really, it got, it was so hard, but it got easier and easier to keep my mouth shut. And I noticed the more I was quiet, the less my dad had to say. And then we could just have conversations. You wonder when your parents say something to you that you don't like, that aggravates you, that irritates you. Friend, before you think about what they said to you, focus on yourself and the way you react when they speak to you. Because your reaction, whatever's causing, look, if they call you stupid, I'm not going to ask who parents call stupid. You can come talk to us after the service. We're going to help you out. Pray for you. Go meet with your dad. Um, No. Stupid, no matter what's said against you, if you are in the right condition within, you are not going to respond in anger. But if I'm responding aggravated, irritated, ticked off, yelling back at my dad, calling him names, God forbid, saying stuff to him that I'm going to regret in five minutes when I cool down, it's not worth it. It's a fight that you don't need to fight. And you can be of help. Listen, we, I'm a parent now. I'm not a perfect parent. There are things that I say to my little children that I probably should not say already. <laughs> Goodness gracious. My daughter's three. She acts like she's 13 sometimes. Anastasia has got so much character and attitude. This is all because of my wife. No, because of me. And I am, my wife is here. I, I, I got character and I got attitude. And my wife is, is, is peaceful and calm and collected. And I'm not so collected as you can tell when I'm preaching. I can't stop moving, man. Um, and, and I see things in my daughter. And sometimes I, think, I, sometimes I say things to her and I walk off. I'm like, I shouldn't. She's three years old. But, and I'm like, God, she acts like she's 13, and she's playing with my mind. She knows what she's doing. I know that she. 
She's sitting, she's sitting on the couch with me just, just, just now before service. And my wife, she like, she got up on the, she, she loves mandarins, and so she just peeled the mandarin in the kitchen. She walks to the couch. This is not a long distance. My, my house is really small. So she walked right to my, my, my couch, sat my couch, by the way, my couch. She, she came to my couch, and, and she sat right next to me, and she just, you know, she just got situated. She got all, you know, she does this thing. She gets all comfortable. She got her blankie right here next to her. She just, she's ready, and she lays her mandarin. She loves food. She lays her mandarin down on the couch. Girls, if you do this when you're by yourself, I am. Make sure nobody's watching when you eat your food. She lays her mandarins down on the couch next to her. And she just gets situated. And as soon, literally, as soon as she got situated, my wife, Anastasia, come to the table, eat at the table. And she looks at me. I wish you could zoom in right now. She looks at me and she does one of these. And she just, she just puts one by one in. She just started eating. Just started eating. And I turned around. I had to be the advocate. I turned around. I'm like, honey, she just got really comfortable. I'm watching her. She won't make a mess. And then, and then literally five minutes later, one of the mandarins on the ground. I end up getting off the couch, stepping on it. Should have listened to my wife. But there's fights. There's fights that you don't need to fight. Some of you get over it. It's a funny story, but we're moving on. <laughs> I just want to keep laughing. <laughs> There's fights that you don't need to fight. Now watch this story we've been talking about. There's two fights, two fights, and one did not go down. Now the first, first fight you're going to be surprised. Well, let's, let's talk about the fight that didn't go down. One of the young men, and this is verse 14, one of the young men told Abigail... Nabal's wife saying, now remember, David sent some men, David sent some men to Nabal to, to request some food, to request some gifts, anything that he had that he could generously give to them because of a celebration that was about to take place. Nabal rejects them, tells them to go back to David, and now one of the young men, remember we talked about this last time, comes to Abigail and says, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were, and this is our key verse, they were a wall to us, both by day, by night and day. All the time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do for harm is determined against our master and against all his household. This servant gives us an inside scoop of something that just took place. David, verses before this, the verse before this, David already told his men to get armed. He as well, the Bible gives us the, gives us the verse that he got armed as well. And now 400 men, including him, are coming at Nabal's household. Now, before we go on and talk about the fight that David picked, I want to talk about Abigail who was able Abigail, who was able to stop a fight that should have took place. The reason I want to stop here is because, listen, there are things when, when we find out about something, when news comes our way. I love what Pastor Roman was talking about this morning, that with revelation comes, who was listening? Responsibility. Revelation 
comes into my life and it brings with it responsibility. Why? Because you've come to know something that now you're responsible to either obey or fulfill or go and do, right? When, when God gives us revelation, this revelation is a responsibility we have now to walk out in this revelation. Something God showed to us. Now, let me say this. The same thing goes when you find out about something that is gossipy, slanderous, people talking, people pointing fingers, somebody making fun of somebody. Listen, when news comes into your life, you have a responsibility what you're going to do with it. You can be somebody when news comes into your life about somebody else or somebody pointing fingers or, t- or talking about somebody else or whispering or gossiping. Listen, gossip is not for us as believers. I think we got somewhere, uh, maybe, maybe in the Passion Translation, we read gossip instead of gospel. Not gospel, gossip. Gossip is not for us in the church, but the gospel is for us in the church. Hello? Not gossip. And so when gossip comes into my life, when someone speaks something into my life, some of you are enjoying this way too much, when somebody speaks this into my life, when, some, when I hear news of something, I can be responsible to take this information and stop a fight from happening, stop the cancer from spreading, or I can be a part of the fight that somebody doesn't need to fight. Listen, if your friend or somebody here that just got saved or just walking in the Lord or did did something stupid, made a fool of himself, did something he shouldn't do. Listen, if you really are mature in the faith, you can approach this person face to face and talk to them like a man instead of whisper behind his back like a boy. Be a Proverbs 31 woman, have some integrity and come up to a girl and help her out instead of running your mouth. Abigail was able to listen to what the servant had to say because she wasn't talking. Listen, I know you girls are multitasking professionals, but there are some things you need to do one at a time. And listening can only be listening. It can't be speaking as well. I have to listen to listen. And when I listen and there's something that's been, that I've heard, something that's been spoken, something that's going around, I can be someone that stops the fight. Are you here? I think it's one of the saddest things to hear in youth groups and in churches, people running their mouth about other people. If I'm mature, I don't run my mouth about other people. My maturity What proves my maturity is that I have enough maturity in the faith to know that, hey, what you're saying, I understand your concern, but you don't need to be saying that. And you can talk to a person and stop a fire, stop a fight from happening. Are you here? Okay, let's focus now. Some of you. Don't be thinking about somebody else. Think about yourself. This is the first mistake we make when we hear these kind of things. One of the things that I admired, before I continue, I just had this thought. One of the things that I admired of a close friend that passed away, uh, Stephen in Seattle got in a motorcycle accident, died on his 30th birthday. One of the things that was his life quote was to leave people better than he would find them. And I, I am 
150% a testimony of the fact that that verse wasn't just something cute that he Instagrammed or posted or tweeted. That was something that he lived by. My wife and I got married. He would come visit us often. Whenever he would come visit us, her and I can both testify. All my friends here can testify that when he would come and just be around us, you left better after spending time with him. And I want to encourage you to do the same when people are hanging out with you, when, people, when you're talking to people, meet new people. Do they leave better after you talk to them? Or do you just help them continue to fight fights they, do, they shouldn't be fighting? David, David is about to fight a fight that he doesn't need to fight. And Abigail has the wisdom and the ears to hear and then to speak with wisdom and say, David, you don't need to fight this fight. God will fight your fight for you. But listen, before this, we don't maybe necessarily look at this as a fight, but I want to call this out and say this, this definitely is a fight. In the beginning of chapter 25, look what happens. Verse 4. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David set ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name, and thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you. Now let's go down a little bit. Verse 8, verse 7, now I have heard that you have shears, your shepherds are here with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. The, the servant that spoke to Abigail gave us a little bit more insight and said that David's men were like a wall around us, night and day. Say night and day. David's men were a, were a wall around shepherds night and day. Are you good? David's men were a wall night and day. This is a fight that is worth fighting. Now, what I love about this story is that David was a shepherd boy himself. Remember this? Y'all here? Y'all remember? David was a shepherd boy himself. David was very familiar with what it was like to be out in the middle of nowhere, whether it was hills or mountains like Carmel or hilltops or valleys. He knew what it was like to be with his sheep. I'll even say he knew what it was like to be under attack and then have to defend his sheep. Now, no, not every shepherd boy is like David. David was ruthless. David was filled with the Spirit of God. David knew who was with him. He would not be afraid even if a lion or a bear came. He, he tells this to Saul. He's like, hey, when I was out alone and my sheep would be taken by a lion or a bear, I caught up to that thing, ripped it apart, and took my sheep back. Crazy, but not every, not every shepherd boy was like this guy. And so history actually says, and if you study even these passages back in the day, it was normal, or it was not, I should say, it was not uncommon for raiders to attack shepherd boys or people that are shearing, kill the people that are defenseless, take the sheep, stock up, store up, and then dip out to the next place. But here, David 
when he comes across these shepherd boys, he come, come, comes across these young men that are, she- that are shearing their sheep. He comes to them, and they don't got 100 sheep. They don't got 10 sheep. They got 3,000. What is it? 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats? What does it say? Huh? 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And the Bible says that David and his men, they turn into a wall around these men and their sheep. What I would like to insert about right now is when we have been saved, when we have been saved, we are equipped to now help somebody else. I think it's without coincidence that David, a boy that used to be a shepherd, knew what it was like to be alone, knew what it was like to be under attack, knew what it was like if wild animals charged down and started just destroying your sheep or if some raiders came out of nowhere and were attacking you. Now, we don't read of any raiders in David's life. God just, I think, was protecting him. But when a bear, 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 when a bear or sheep did come... David did not say, I lost the sheep, it's okay, I still have a hunter. David, with the heart of Jesus, began to run after that thing, destroyed that lion and bear, and even took back one sheep. Listen, when you come back to your master, this is a rule of thumb. When you leave with a hundred sheep, guess what? When you come back to your master, you will answer for a hundred sheep. When you leave with 15 sheep, you will be answering for 15 sheep. When you have a thousand sheep, you will answer for a thousand sheep. And so David knew that every sheep he will answer for. And when a lion came, he was not even afraid to chase a lion, not a cat, a lion. It's a cat family. Yeah, but it's a really big cat, bro. Not like your cute kitty named Fluffy in your house. He chased down the lion. He killed that thing and he took back his one sheep. And so David comes across these men and they don't have a hundred. They got 3,000. They got a thousand goats. They got some serious responsibility. The more that you have, the more you're, yeah. The more talents you've been given, the more you'll have to answer to God. The more sheep you got in your pen, the more you'll answer for the sheep that you have. And David, David comes across these men, he says, hey, y'all got a serious business. <laughs> this ain't no joke. This is a lot of sheep and goats. And because of the heart he hath, he becomes a wall around people that can't defend themselves. He becomes protection for somebody that has nothing to fight with. He stands in front of them, ready for anything, not just during the day, but also at night. Listen, if you think in any way that serving God or being in ministry is easy, it is not. Sometimes you'll have nights you have to devote. Listen, you can call me from 8 to 5. And after 5, it's family time. 
And after nine, it's, it's, it's cookie and milk time and then it's bedtime. You have no idea. When you start committing to God, y'all laughing, but when you start committing to God, God just decides to pick really inconvenient times to just see if you're committed or not. They didn't say, y'all, hey, stay close with us somewhere in our zone. We sleeping. We about to go to Nabal's house. And we're hoping to get some food. It's been a long journey. This is, this is a, a hard moment right here in this chapter. They, they've, they've already been in some fights, and they're about to step into some more fights. And listen, between the fighting, between one battle and another battle, you can't, you can't take a break. You can't take a break. And so David doesn't say, hey, I'm going to sleep, and y'all just stay close. And if, if, we hear, if we hear your horrific screaming, if it's loud enough, we're going to wake up and see what's going on and start taking care of business. No, they, David, what he had to do, I can imagine this because I like organizing stuff. I can imagine David gathered his 600 men and said, hey, all right, who's going to take the night shift? <laughs> you know, no, I think he had, he had some men that were ready to take the night shift. He had some men that were ready to take the, the night shift. You got anybody in your life that you know you can call? Uh, uh, hello. That you know you can re rely on? That you know you can depend on? You stop saying you. You know somebody in your life that no matter what time it is, no matter what day it is, this was Pastor Slavic for me. This was Pastor Sergey for me. Any time, any day, any moment, in the morning, at night, 50 times, 60 times, 70 times, I can call and they are there. There are people that God has placed in your life, and I'm my, my friend. You are that person for somebody else. It is only right now in this season that I get to clean my son's bottom. Bottom. But eventually... Eventually, I will no longer clean it. And I, I might even make fun of him at a certain age if he does it again. Are you kidding me? I just kick him in that dirty butt. Go wash your butt, bro. Now, y'all laughing, but listen, I think sometimes for those of us that have been in church the longest, it's like we need to get saved again. I'll go to this side. I think, I think some of us have been in church so long we need to get saved again. I'm not saying you lost your salvation, but you forgot the dirty mess that God pulled you out of and you're depending on people to still clean yours up? Are you kidding me? If I've been saved for 10 plus years, I should be able to help 10 plus people. When I know the mess that God pulled me out of, I am now equipped to help others with their mess. We have forgot sometimes. We have forgot what it is that he did for me. What it is that he pulled me out of. What it is that he literally, like the Bible says, took my feet out of mire and placed them upon the rock. We forgot what that's like. To be that person that stuck. To be that person that was defenseless. To be that person that had nothing to put up with the, with the enemy. Nothing to put up in their life. And God saved me. God pulled me out. God gave me victory. God forgave my sin. 
And I think David was walking there, and I, I, I just imagine this. When he saw them, he remembered himself. When he saw them, he remembered himself. He said, hey, you, don't be afraid. I know what it was, what it was like to be you. Listen, when you, if you ever think you're somebody, you're nobody. If you, if, if you look by people that you used to be like, you're nobody. Paul says, if you think you know anything, you don't know nothing. If you think you're somebody, you ain't, you ain't nobody. Because Jesus, as great as he was, did not walk by anybody that needed help. And David probably said, I know, I know what that's like. I think it's without coincidence that he says in some of his psalms, Lord, help me not forget where you pulled me from. Help me not forget what you brought me out of. I will not forget, God, the things that you did for me in my youth. And there he displays, he displays the character and the integrity that he matured into. And he became a wall around people that don't have a wall. This ain't promotion for Mexico. Trump, Trump wall, what, you know, some of your, I really want to put my hat on right now. He became a wall for them. Go to Matthew 20. We're going to end with this. Go to Matthew. If I could have some of our worship team come out, if you guys all want to come out, cool. Matthew 26. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Pick your fight. Verse 44, look what it says. So he left them went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. What words was he saying? Same words. What words were they? Huh? My father, if this cup, remember this, cannot pass, for, pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. The Bible says he is saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples. Now, keep note, this is the third time going to pray. He came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. We're going to continue to read from verse 47. While he was still Speaking. Behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords <clears throat> and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now this, now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Jesus said to him, Friend, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly, 
one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus or this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you, did not, and you did not seize me but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled then all the disciples forsook him and fled the first thing I think that stands out is that Jesus knew they were coming Jesus knew that they were coming and he knew who would betray him and still still the heart of our king is that when his betrayer comes to kiss him to show that he is the Messiah that you shall take the kiss of betrayal not just someone talking behind your back somebody straight to your face straight to your face and Jesus still responds friend I am convinced I'm convinced that this was a moment that Judas could have repented Peter was no better than Judas who betrayed him three times who denounced him three times but something happened in the heart of Peter when he made eye contact with Jesus and he began to repent. But that moment, Judas is called friend. And I maybe, maybe out, of, out of manhood, courageousness, Peter takes out his sword and slices the ear off of the high priest servant. And Jesus says, put your sword away. Pick your fight, Peter. He heals the man's ear. And in this moment, this is the moment that the Bible says when he is taken, that every, not a single disciple, every, all disciples fled and left him alone. From this moment, he is taken to the high priest's house before the Sanhedrin. They're holding a private trial at night against him. It is at this trial that they spit on him, they slap him, they mock him, they make fun of him. And the Bible says, according to the law, that at every trial, especially trials before Sanhedrin, there is to be at least one defendant for the one that is being persecuted but in the house 
of the high priest. He stands alone. He is surrounded by a mob of people and there is no one to plead, to defend, or to state his case. Every disciple, every follower has left him and he is alone in a place facing trial. There would be three more trials after this trial. He would continue in every trial, in everything he had to face, even him hanging on the cross, standing, hanging alone. Pick your fight. Jesus was completely alone. that we would never have to be. Listen, he could call on more than 12 legions of angels. Modern day translations just say thousands. Thousands and thousands and thousands of angels could have came at the whisper of his command. It's like they could have became a wall around him. They could have taken out everything that stood against him and became a wall around him. He says no to the wall of angels. Chooses to be left alone. The Bible says gives us this prophetic word from the book of Isaiah when the shepherd will be struck the sheep will scatter as he gets struck and taken by the high priest taken by the religious leaders taken by the Romans every sheep scatters last year alone over 40 million innocent children were aborted. There is no wall around them. They say if you take the top reasons for death in the world, the top reasons for death and combine them all, there is still more aborted children. The passing of the new law in New York went to a level that we never thought was possible in our generation. The things that are being signed and approved today, there is no wall. Listen, I'm, I'm not bashing on that. You fight my battle song, but my friend, there are battles that only you and I can fight. Why is it that Paul said, I fight the good fight of faith? Yes, the cross and Jesus hanging on it, it was the finished work. But there is a fight that God is calling me to fight in this time that I'm here. 
This is not a motivational, emotional message to stir you up to get, to, do, to get you to do something. This has never worked in my life. Every message of motivation where I got emotional, started to cry, fell on my face. Oh God, oh God, save the children, save the children, save the children. Did not bring me to a place to actually cause me to begin to do something. Listen, the moment David saw the shearers, he did not begin to pray, Oh God, help them. Oh God, help them. Oh God, fight their battles. Fight their battles. No, he took his position with his men and he stood as a wall. It was no longer time to pray. He stood and he became a wall for those that could not defend themselves. If there's anybody that knows what it's like to be alone, it is Jesus. And my friend, what I'm calling you to is to begin to seek him more. Not get emotional about babies being, being killed, but begin to seek God's face. all we want about his battles being fought by us uh, excuse me his the battles being fought by him he has already fought every battle against everything that has any right to stand against me and him if if this was not so we have no boldness to preach the gospel gee paul said everything we do right now it's in vain no but the gospel can be preached because he died, he was buried, and he rose again. The gospel has power because the work has been finished. And the battles that are to be fought today are not by God, are by you. He has fought every battle. My friend, I know, I know when the end comes, the enemy will be destroyed, sin will be destroyed, but right now we're facing some things where God is depending on you to become a wall for somebody that can't defend themselves. Become a wall for somebody that doesn't have anything to fight with. Become a wall for someone that's silent, that has no strength to speak, that cannot stand, that cannot move, that cannot lift his hands. God is calling you to begin to become a wall for this person. I believe with all my heart there are people here. Maybe there are people here that will become an answer to abortion. Only because they will begin to seek God. And this is what happens when you begin to seek God. God begins to show you where you need to become a wall for somebody. He begins to put things in your heart that are in his heart. You know what it will take to stand against the face of the enemy that is killing babies? No song, no emotion, no hype, no good sermon. It will take the word of the Lord that's been spoken to me. And this same word, I will speak to the head of that serpent. And that thing will be slain, not because of me, but because that thing is fighting against my God. 
This is what David did. He didn't muscle up his strength. He said, listen, this thing is not against just me. It's against God. And he carried a word into the battlefield and with the word began to speak. God will begin to give some of you a word to speak against the enemy. Some of you will be kept up at night speaking the word against the enemy. During the day you're driving, working, in school, it will constantly be, constantly be on your mind because there's a word that's been spoken and that word will not give you peace until you fulfill it. It will burn in your bones. You know what fight I think we should stop fighting? The standards we have in the church. Some of us are wasting our time till this day. Why this in our church? Why that in our church? My friend, if you've joined this church and become a member of it, when you have your own church, you will answer for the church that God called you to plant. But as long as you are a part of this church, you come under what the pastor of this church and the team of this church has in their heart to do for God. David didn't tell his dad, Jesse, Dad, this is how you do it. He began to do what he was called to do. And when God saw him fit and ready, he called him to go do his own thing. Some of us are fighting this fight, and there is such a more important fight to fight outside of these walls. Why do I have to dress like this or sing like that or do that? Why can't? Guys, 40 plus million babies last year alone. My Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will rise a higher standard. Pick your fight. Some of you will have a fight to pick on your social media. We are waiting and we are praying for God just to give us a key, for God to open something up where we can begin to influence like never before through our social media platforms. We told our social media team, and that's why we talk about it openly, we're tired of seeing smiley faces, waving, shaking hands. We want to begin to have keys to influence people in the time that we live in. And God will give us keys when we seek Him. We can only know the value of life when we come to know the price that was paid for it. We can only know the value of a life when we know the price that was paid for it. This is no longer what someone can do for me. This is what I can do for them. This morning it was said at second service, I put this in my notes. That the prayers of people that are, that are already gone still have power today. 
the prayers that you pray, the prayers that we pray together can have power and influence even when we are gone. I want to even say your life lived here on earth can have possibly more influence when it is gone. Everybody with downcast faces thought, Jesus, he's dead, he's dead. But his life lived here on earth and his death died on the cross and him being raised by the power of the Holy Spirit did more than any other person living ever in the history of mankind. Stand to your feet with me.